everybody. Hope you're having a good afternoon. It is Terry and I doing the NBA No House Advantage Strategy Show. If you guys are signing up at No House Advantage for the first time, use the promo code OSMO. All new signups that are using our promo code get $25 deposit bonus. And also, of course, we've got free No House Advantage projections over on OSMO.com. Good help when you're building your No House Advantage prop cards. Do us a favor, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Terry, three NBA games tonight. How are you feeling about them? It could be a good slate of basketball. I got some friends coming over. It's been uh, a while since I've hosted like a group event in my apartment here in uh, in New Jersey. So uh, yeah, kind of psyched to drink some beers, watch some basketball, hang out with the buddies and uh, hopefully get some good games out of this. It looks like a pretty interesting slate of, uh, of three games. So it should be fun. Which is the game that you and your friends are most anticipating? I did the same thing on Sunday with with similar slates, but which is which is the game that you guys have your eye on? So my buddy Lou is a giant Celtics fan. So I mean, that's a oh, big, I like none Lou. of us are none of us are Brooklyn fans by any means. You know, it's a couple of Knicks fans. Um, so I'm not sure exactly how the rooting will come down on that, but Louis definitely going to be on the Celtics. He's going to get here early to start the game and, uh, yeah, should be fun, but that'll be the biggie of course, but we do have some Philly fans in the crowd too. So, uh, the second game of the night will be uh, somewhat interesting as well. Well, how many people you got coming over there? The crowd should be, it should only be like four or five, but then there's okay. other people who participate remotely via, you know, they're watching the game, they text, they call and, you know, stuff like gotcha. that. Gotcha. So. Yeah. yeah, so that's so on Sunday I had friends come over and all of us have Celtics futures bets. So like I have the Celtics 27 to 1 to win the East, I have them 60 to 1 to win the championship. So it was something and all my my brother has the same has the same bets some other friends were over. So we were all big Celtics fans on Sunday, so it was pretty fun to watch nice. that game and the way it ended with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving just kind of sleepwalking on defense and Jason Tatum sneaking behind him for the backcut layup to win. So it's another game that should be fun. The spread, three and a half points. So it should be a tight one. And there's some value here on No House Advantage because when these lines were set on No House Advantage, considering these Nets players, I don't think they knew what the Nets rotation was. Well, Marcus Aldridge, for instance, he is an over-under of 11 and a half points. He's an over-under of 15 and a half points plus rebounds. Now, LaMarcus Aldridge, I expect to play zero minutes today, not because he's hurt, but just because he's a guy that isn't regularly part of the Nets rotation. So, so far in the playoffs, he played zero minutes against the Celtics in the playing game. He played zero minutes against the Cavs down the stretch of the regular season. He really only played minutes in garbage time. Even when he came back from that long absence with injury, I thought, you know, eventually he's probably going to start over LaMarcus. LaMarcus Aldridge is probably going to start over Andre Drummer. At the very least, he's going to play backup center minutes, but Seems he's totally out of the rotation. We have to hit on these unders here, correct? Well, I mean, we need him to take the court for that to pay off, though, right? I mean, he's got to actually play for that. No, I think he just, as long as he's active, it's unless I'm mistaken, right? I thought he had to actually play some time. That was that was my understanding that he actually had to take the court, but I could be wrong about that. If he's if that's not the requirement, then absolutely that's incredibly interesting. You've got a guy who's just not a part of the rotation like you're saying. Uh we've got him projected Alex has a placeholder projection of 3.7 minutes, but the guy hasn't been on the court in the postseason in the playoff game uh, or the playing game rather. We've got him projected for 1.85 points if he does t- play that 3 minutes. Um, so it's just a matter of whether or not they he takes the court. I was under the impression that DMC so CDs didn't count. I have the the official rules say players who are ruled out prior to a game beginning will receive zero points regardless of the over or under selection. NHA is not responsible for data providers sending late incoming data. Um, 
but it's only being ruled out. So I think what Greg is saying is true. Okay. As long as they are active, it it is a valid uh, okay. bet. So then we've then that was uh, miscast earlier in the season in some of the shows that we've done. But yeah, then then those are definitely targetable up on the top of the board. You've got uh, a couple ninety nine point nines and some hundred percenters uh, based on some non players. So yeah, I like yeah that. and. I mean, Aldridge is, is a specific case because he's going to be on the team. He's going to be on the bench. He's going to dress right. to play. But uh, I do not think he's going to be on the court because that's not something we've seen lately. But, yeah, in, unless something happens where the Nets are like, hey, LaMarcus Aldridge is not active because he's not going to step on the court. Uh, I like hitting the unders here. And then another one, a guy who is going to play minutes, but also looks like he's pretty inflated numbers for reasons that are beyond me, Patty Mills. How does Patty Mills have an over under 14 and a half points plus rebounds plus assists? Because that's a really high number, by the way. Also, 12 and a half points plus assists. Let's see, I have Patty Mills for right around five points, a little under one rebound and one assist. I mean, now that we have Kyrie Irving back and the way that the playing both home games and road games and the way the Nets rotation shuck out in game one, it just doesn't look like there's that much playing time for Patty Mills who played 12 minutes. Uh, do you see this prop any differently other than also wanting to hit the unders on Patty Mills? No, that one makes a ton of sense. He scored three points and uh, put up no peripheral stats in those three in those 12 minutes that he played the last time out. We've got him projected at 15.6. Even if he sees a few more than that, I don't think he sniffs this line. Uh, in 29 minutes a game over the course of the regular season, playing in 81 games, dude averaged 15.6 PRA. Um, so that is right in line with where the line is the line's 14 and a half we've got to project it at six and a half like i said he could play 18 minutes and probably still not get there so we're pretty comfy on this one it's at a hundred percent that seems <laughs> aggressive but it's definitely uh you know it's definitely a strong strong bet on the under here uh something would have to go haywire for him to play enough time to see that uh, that line yeah and then you know something else to point out also when it comes to the nets because josh gillams in the chat is could is saying could they start claxton and bring aldridge off the bench and drummond drops out of the rotation well for whatever reason the nets decided to drop their starting lineup at like 10 a.m this morning and drummond is starting so uh normally i would think we don't need nba nba lineups that early but at least for this it it helps us because we've got the information already uh, but in terms of the split between Drummond and uh, between Drummond and Claxton, not that it matters that much for the NHA slate, but uh, we saw the majority of the minutes go to Claxton. Drummond only played 17. It was the least that Drummond had played since a March a game early in March, also against the Boston Celtics. So it seems like the Nets have identified this isn't the best matchup for Andre Drummond. So I expect that we're going to see Claxton play more minutes than Drummond uh, once again. Would you agree that that is the most likely scenario? And does does that impact anything for you on NHI? I do agree with that. Um, in looking at the numbers for Drummond, uh, it basically looks like you know the the big difference maker is that Claxton has played the entire fourth quarter in both the last game and the playing game where they sat Drummond. Even though Drummond gets the start, he gets fewer minutes there. So it definitely has an impact. I still think on the flipping over to the overs, we have Drummond in the mid-70s on his rebound over. We've got it. The line is eight and a half. We've got him at 10. Um, and he's perfectly capable of doing that in 19.7 minutes a night during the regular season. He averaged 9.3 boards. So he's over the line already, and we're giving him slightly more minutes than that. We're giving him 21 and a half. He's only averaged 18.7 over the last two. So that's really tight on that line, which is why it's like a 75 percenter. Um, it might be a little bit more fragile even than that 75. So I don't love that one. I'd put that 
not totally a coin flip, but it's a little bit dicier than I think we need to get with some of these stronger probability ones on here. So for Drummond's, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't move the needle all that much for me in terms of uh, the playing time with him and Claxton. And I'm not really seeing Claxton popping toward the top of the board in any of these. So there's nothing really to, uh, to chase with him. So I don't think between those two guys, there's anything NHA wise that's really interesting unless I'm missing Claxton, but I'm not saying him here. Yeah, and then uh, talking about this slate in general and why NHA could be so much different than, you know, DraftKings or FanDuel, there's no pricing. We're just looking at props. So there's no need to consider star players for the most part. And that's why, you know, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, we have some favorable looking Kyrie Irving projections, like over three and a half rebounds. We have hitting 77% of the time. But there's a lot of these NHA props out here that we have 90 plus percent win probabilities on. So with that in mind, Kyrie Irving over three and a half rebounds in the grand scheme of things doesn't even look that favorable relative to other props. One other guy that's kind of popping for us here is overs for Bruce Brown. He's one of the only players that we really have overs projected extraordinarily high for, but it looks like based on how some of these projections are set or over-unders on NHA, I just don't know that they're aware of what the rotations are for the Nets right now, where they've got lofty numbers for LaMarcus Aldridge, but at the same time, modest numbers for Bruce Brown. So what stands out to you about him? Yeah, this was definitely set by somebody who was just looking at the season-long numbers and went along with those averages and said, all right, that's what the line's going to be. The 15.5 PRA for the season, he averaged a 15.9 in 24.6 minutes. For the playoffs uh, so far, including the playing game, he's averaged 38.3 minutes a night. We're projecting for 37.3. You can see just directionally on that, that there's much, much bigger opportunity for him today. Uh, With a 15 and a half line, we've got him projected at a 23.67 PRA. No reason not to go to that. That's a top of the card type play. 93% are on Alex's board. If you wanted to go down to just the rebounds, it's a four and a half. That's again, what he did in the regular season, 4.8 rebounding average in 24.6 minutes. It's a 37 minute projection. We could jump over to some per 36 marks for Bruce Brown real quick. And just take a look during the regular season per 36. If we wanted to look at that, he's averaging seven rebounds per 36 in the regular season. We do not need that many. We only need four and a half. Got to love it. So yeah, either one of those I'm totally comfy with. And then talking about the per 36 numbers, uh, I think it's reasonable to expect Bruce Brown plays north of 36 minutes because he played 37 minutes in game one, despite getting into early foul trouble and ultimately picking up five personal fouls. If he doesn't get those fouls, we're probably looking at over 40 minutes or so from Bruce Brown. The reason I say that is the playing game against the Cleveland Cavaliers, 40 and a half minutes for Bruce Brown. So that's probably around where we're looking at Bruce Brown, somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 minutes. And I mean, these numbers are just so low in terms of projections. Like you said, 15 and a half points plus rebounds plus assists. For me, same thing that you and I talked about last week, Terry. If we have numbers that all project really well, rebounds, points, points plus rebounds, you know, all the different combinations, I gravitate towards points plus rebounds plus assists because I think it gives us the most outs and has the most stability, the most different ways for him to get there. So if I'm picking one of the Bruce Brown props, I'm going points, rebounds, assists. Is it the same for you? I think that makes a ton of sense, particularly with a guy who can fill multiple categories. He's a decent rebounder, decent distributor of the ball, pretty quality scorer. So yeah, I like going that route rather than zeroing in on one thing that he's got to do well. Let's give him the opportunity to just fill the card however he needs to. Yeah, so I I totally am on board there. Bruce Brown looks really good. We mentioned some unders. Is there anything else from the Nets that stands out? If not, we'll move on to the Boston side of this game. Uh, Let me just sort down to just the Nets here and take a quick peek. 
You mentioned the Kyrie rebounding one. If you get down to that point in building cards that you need one at, uh, at a 77% or I think you're fine there. It's another one that's just set against the season average, uh, 37.6 minutes. Kyrie's averaging 4.4 rebounds. We've got him projected at 41.3 minutes, which is what he's averaged over the first couple of games. So I see no reason to expect that he wouldn't get there. But like you were saying, there's not necessarily a need to dip that far down. Everybody else on the overs and the end on the unders looks, uh, looks pretty below that. If we scroll... Like if we want to talk about other ones for Patty Mills, you could book any of those, you know, Patty Mills assists, Patty Mills, PRA, Patty Mills threes. The threes is probably the diciest one on the under it's two and a half. We've got them projected at 1.3. Like we talked about only playing, you know, a handful of uh, 15 or so or so minutes. It's an 83 percenter. I don't love chasing those ones where, you know, Patty Mills is certainly capable of going out and knocking down three, three pointers in a game. So I don't love that one. I'd rather give him more to do or make it more difficult on him than uh, just a couple happenstance shots that he will probably take those shots. So that one I don't like, but any of the others there I think is perfectly fine. Nobody else really stands out. Like you said, there's no need to get into the star, the Kevin Durant's. All the KD ones are in the mid to low 60s down into the 50s in terms of the percentile so, uh, percentage. So it's just not, not worth chasing. Yep. Totally agree there. And we spent a lot of time on the Nets, but I think it was worthwhile because those are some of the best looking props on the entire slate. Boston does have some favorable looking ones as well. Daniel Tice, he started last game. He has a rebound prop of only two and a half. I know that we can't expect Daniel Tice to have some kind of mass, um, massive fantasy game, but like we said before, a lot of the unders look more favorable towards than the unders, but we have to like over two and a half boards for Daniel Tice now. I would think I was just looking at that uh, at that last game. He got the start and he picked up two quick fouls also. And he came out of the first quarter in the first quarter in the first rotation, came back on, picked up another foul in the second quarter, then played a longer stint in the third. I think that third quarter stint is more representative of what they probably wanted for him in the first quarter. So I do think there's maybe even a little bit more meat on the bone for Tice in terms of the minutes. But even if he's only getting the 23 minutes, we've got him projected for two and a half rebounds is kind of a nothing line. He averaged 4.9 in the 20.8 minutes per game that he played during the regular season we've got him projected for more minutes more rebounds so definitely we've at a five and a half we've got him basically doubling that up or, or a little bit more so 95 percent are on the rebounds absolutely fire away the points plus rebounds it's set essentially it's a six and a half tice is a guy who averaged a let's see a 12 and change on the points plus rebounds through the season. So again, it's another one where essentially he's more than doubling it up in our projection. 91%. I have no issues chasing that one either, but the rebounds just seem so easy on this one. I know we were just saying, give him, you know, try and cover more ground with more categories, but that just seems like he could trip over himself and grab three rebounds. Yeah. And I don't have that much confidence in Daniel Tice scoring or assisting right. or anything like that. The rebounds. And as Josh Gillum is saying in chat, uh, two and a half, let me sign up for NHA, which by the way, if you are, use the promo code awesome out. But he's saying he will crush that in the first five minutes. Yeah, pretty good chance that he'll be over two and a half rebounds in the first five minutes of the game. I guess the only thing we're waiting on is will he start or not? And by the way, even if you set your NHA card down, you can edit it later in the day. So not a big deal if we find out that the Celtics make some kind of change and Tice isn't starting. So feel feel no concerns with with submitting a lineup early is there anything else that stands out to you from the boston side of the game it, it looks like relative to the other really high percentile over unders there's just not much else here i'd want to get to yeah well let's unpack that real quick what change specifically would you have in mind uh, as far as daniel tice 
in terms of like he comes out of the starting lineup, you know, they announce the lineup. He's not in there. Do you think that really knocks him down much further than the 23 and change that we've like, what scenario do you think that he doesn't play enough minutes where we're not confident in that two and a half? Like if he comes out, if he's not starting, he's only going to play, let's say we knock him down to an 18 minute projection. Do you still, that'll take it from 95. That probably still leaves it in the seventies somewhere. I still think that might be worth chasing. What, what would you uh-huh. need to see to, to take him off the card? So the issue is this, we have how many props that have a 90 plus percent chance of winning today. We've got literally more than you could build an entire card with. So I think we get to a situation where even if he comes off the bench and then it's like an 80% chance of winning, it's just not an 80% chance of winning a prop on NHA today is like the 20th best prop. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. You just might not need it at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking in basketball terms, like what the change would be, you know, a little uh, little short uh, short bench there, short rotations. But yeah, you're, you're right there. It would knock it down. So you probably wouldn't need it at that level. What about Horford? It looks like they're a little bit light on the Horford line, seven and a half on uh, the rebounds versus a 9.81 projection from us. He averaged 7.7 in 30 minutes a game, 29.1 minutes a game during the regular season. In the playoffs, he's averaged uh, 32 and a half minutes so far, but that was a 41-minute performance in the first real playoff game, 24 minutes in the play-in game. So if he's playing anywhere near 40 minutes... They weren't in the play-in games. Uh, Excuse me, that was uh, the last regular season game. I've got yeah. this all in one spot, so I'm just my brain. Yeah, yeah, all good. yeah. So as for Al Horford, yeah, yeah, the first yeah. the first playoff game, he was 41 minutes. Yeah, it, it's hard to not lean towards the overs for Al Horford when you consider he played 41 and a half minutes in that game. I think Boston Celtics is going to play such a condensed rotation, and here's the minutes that we got from their core guys in Game One: 45 minutes from Jason Tatum, 41 and a half from Al Horford, 40 from Jalen Brown, 36 from Marcus Smart, but he got into foul trouble. 28 from Derek from Derek White. They are playing their core guys all of the minutes, and there's just not minutes available for the other role guys. So, yeah, assuming that everything stays the same, if I had to take a side, I'm leaning towards the Al Horford overs. They look pretty good. But once again, I think there's better props to hit on. Some of them are going to come in the next game that we have to talk about, which is the Philadelphia 76ers at the Toronto Raptors. Now, on the Philly side of the game, There's no Matisse Thibel games being played on the road in Toronto since it's a Canada game. Matisse Thibel ineligible to play since he isn't vaccinated. And now as a result, Philly, uh, the uh, no house advantage has gone and really boosted some of the prop numbers for Philly role players. And some of it isn't justified. The one that stands out the most, Furkan Korkmaz, has projected for nine and a half points plus rebounds plus assists. He also is at two and a half rebounds and I know individually that doesn't seem like a super high number, but I do not think Korkmaz is going to play a massive role in this game for the 76ers. I think he's either going to be out of the rotation or just play limited minutes. So I like hitting the unders on Korkmaz. We have him projected for three points plus rebounds plus assists. Do you have any concerns with the unders here? No, I think that's another good target. We've got one of them sitting at 100%, another one at 98.9%. Uh, Alex hasn't projected for 6.7 minutes. He saw three minutes, then didn't play over their last two games. So I think there's plenty of, uh, of evidence for the fact that he is just not going to be on the court anywhere near enough time to support these, uh, these lines. The PRA at nine and a half. He averaged a 12.1 PRA, but that was in 21.1 minutes for the regular season. We've got him projected at a third of those minutes or, or actually less than a third of those minutes. So I just don't think he's going to be on the court enough time to, to reach any of these marks. So you chase any one of them individually is fine, but just put them all together for the PRA. That's sitting at 100% on our board. 
Yep. And then as for other Philly guys, is there anything else you think really stands out here? The Cork Maz looks like he's being overvalued because of the because of the Thibel being out, but nothing else here, unless I've overlooked something, looks like a prop that I'm just chomping at the bit to get out. Do you see it any differently? Uh, any love for the shake PRA? 13 and a half. We've got it projected at 10, uh, 90% are on our board based on a 19.8 minute projection. That's getting right around his season average. That 13 and a half, uh, he averaged a 13.3 in 21.4 minutes. We're thin slicing his minutes by uh, just you know a minute or two. I feel like that's a little tighter maybe than the 90 percenter that we've got it sitting at. But just based on that number, it kind of popped out to me as like the only other interesting Philly one. Yeah. And then the other reason, too, I'm going to stay away from the the Shake Milton props is I think there's a little bit of a sliding scale in terms of range of outcomes with his playing time with Thibel out. So, you know, Thibel did not play all that much last game. I think they're actually intentionally trying to limit his minutes, even in the home games, because they don't want it to be a spot where they become really reliant on him. And they feel like, oh, now we were playing Thibel and he's become a big part of our home games. We can't play him on the road. So for the sake of consistency, I think they're kind of limiting him. But first two games in the series, 14 minutes for Shake Milton in each of them. If he picks up those Thibel minutes, you know, you could see over 20 minutes from Shake Milton. Then I think it gets pretty dicey with some of the under. So I prefer just to stay away. Makes sense. Yeah, I think that one, like I was saying, it's a little bit more fragile than I like, even with the 90% are on there. It just gets dicey and exactly to your point around those minutes. And that's a good call out, actually, in terms of uh, in terms of how they're managing the uh, five minutes. So if you look just a stint in the first and then a stint to start in the third, both on the back end of uh, those quarters and didn't play at all in the second and the fourth the last time out. So, yeah, it's interesting the way they're managing it. And it makes a lot of sense that, yeah, they don't want to get them used to playing with him in when they're not going to have them for some of these games. Yeah, and I actually thought logically what they were going to do is they were going to play Fiebel big minutes in the home games just so that they could keep other guys fresh for the road yeah, games. But then I, I understand the other the other standpoint also where it's like, hey, let's keep more of a, conti- uh, a consistent rotation where we don't want to play this guy 30 minutes and then screw up the entire starting lineup and everything mm-hmm. for future games. So uh, with with that in mind, I think that we probably see a limited role from him again. As for the Toronto side, this is going to get a little dicey when it comes to injury situations and why from a props perspective, I prefer to just stay away from it. We have Gary Trent Jr. is dealing with an illness. He's expected to play today. Now, with that said, he started last game and played 10 minutes. That makes it really hard to know what to expect from him as well as some of the other guys he could potentially impact. And then also, Scotty Barnes is officially listed as doubtful, but supposedly practiced today. And when Nick Nurse was asked if he would play, Nick Nurse smiled and said, maybe, which kind of leads me to think this doubtful tag is a little less doubtful than other guys. Keep in mind, also last game, Gary Trent Jr. and Thad Young were both listed as doubtful and both of them played. So it, it, I, for now, I kind of just want to punt on talking about the Raptors and think there's a lot up in the air. Uh, what do you feel about this situation? Yeah, I'm happy to do that here as well. We do have the unders for Kem Birch uh, sitting at pretty high marks uh, in the 90s. So it kind of makes sense to at least maybe we talk about those real quick. Uh, Looking at where we've got him projected minutes wise, it's at a 10.7 minute projection. He's averaged uh, 15.3 over the last uh, handful of games, but he played 19 last time out, eight minutes before that. I think there's at least enough reason to believe that, you know, regardless of what happens, maybe he doesn't get out to the full 18 minutes that he would need to get toward that. Uh, it's a 10 and a half PRA line. He averaged 9.8 in 18 minutes. 
So maybe there's enough if we just expect like a 10 to 12 minute night for Kem Birch, but I think it's largely driven by news. I want to find out a little bit more solid, particularly when we're working with tight rotations and, you know, kind of firm, uh, firm news across the board. No reason to chase a mystery in, uh, in a situation where you've got a lot of news. All right, let's hit on the final game of the slate, Chicago Bulls-Milwaukee Bucks. Again, they looked headed towards a blowout in the first half where the Bucks led by over 20 points. And then the Bulls, they were just it caught on fire in, in the third quarter. They were playing good defense. They couldn't miss shots. So they actually took a four-point lead in the third quarter. Ultimately, the Bucs came back, were able to hold them off, and won the game, which was to be expected based on the uh, initial line and everything going into that spot. But for today now... Once again, Bulls, Bucks, Bucks, 10-point favorites. Is there anything that really stands out to you from the Bulls side of the game? Because at least at my first glance here, this looks like one of the weakest teams to target, at least as far as, as NHA goes outside of maybe some Kobe White interest. Yeah, the Kobe White unders were the ones that stood out. Uh, some pretty dark green at the top of the board here, sorting by the under uh, 99.73 on the PRA. We've got him projected at a 12.15. It's another guy where they're just a little bit high based on what he did during the regular season, what the minutes look like during the regular season. He played 23 minutes in that last game. Uh, his regular season average was 27 and a half. We've got him projected at 20. In his regular season average, his PRA uh, was an 18.6. Their line is at 20.5. So they're giving him a higher PRA to reach in fewer minutes. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty confident that Kobe White one looks good. Uh, we've got the points plus assists, the points, the assists, all the individual ones directly below that in declining percentages. I see no reason not to go just directly to the top of the board chasing that under with the PRA at 99%. Yeah. And then as for the rest of the guys on the team, you know, I, these are players that I think have interest for DFS purposes, for sure, particularly on DraftKings today, where DeRozan, Levine, Vooch, these guys are all underpriced. But as far as NHA goes, and kind of also like we talked about with other spots, the best places to target for no house advantage props look like a lot of these players who are, you know, lower end role guys that are misprojected in terms of playing time and just have inflated numbers. It is really hard for me to get behind almost any of the stars on this slate. So I don't really like anything on the bulls outside of Kobe white. Is there anything I've overlooked? Not really. I mean, you're very quickly, if you go away from, any of the Kobe White plays, you're immediately at 70% on the unders side of things. And yeah, nothing nothing gets over 63% on the overs side of things. So it's Kobe White or nothing from the Bulls here, really, I think, as far as NHA goes. And now let's talk about the Bucks on the other side. And once again, Giannis props, nothing really doing. Middleton props, nothing really doing. Drew Holiday props, nothing really doing. So as a result, we're looking at some lower-end guys like Serge Ibaka or Grayson Allen, but what are the best overall projecting props from us and what are you honing in on? Yeah, looking at uh, the top of the board again, we're going by the unders. I, I always enjoy overs more. It seems like more fun to root for somebody to do something than to not do something to me. But I think the Ibaka one at the top of the board stands out four and a half rebounds. Uh, we've got him projected for 0.55 because we've got him at a 2.1 minute projection, uh, has not played the last two. So it's another situation where assuming he's not touching the court, it seems pretty safe to uh, assume that he's not going to grab four and a half rebounds. He's also not going to grab nine and a half points plus rebounds or five and a half points all of those 97 plus Grayson Allen PRA sitting in a 94 percenter. It's another guy we've got him projected uh, 20.9 minutes. He averaged 27.3 over the course of the season. 
over that 27.3, his PRA was a 16 average. They've got the line at 15 and a half. Well, if we're cutting seven minutes off the projection for him, that drops him down to an 11 projection. Pretty firm uh, number on that one as well. You can even chase the Portis PRA is looking uh, a little high. It's another situation, you know, cutting him from 28 minutes to 21 minutes, which is in line. He played 23 the last uh, the last time out. So it's basically in line with what we can expect. Pat Connaughton, similar situation, 26 drops down to a 20-minute projection. So any one of those guys, the role players, these are quality players, rotation pieces, but they're just misprojected in terms of where these lines are sitting. They're sitting against their season-long averages, and as long as all goes to plan and they're playing a tight rotation with these guys getting around the minutes that we saw last time, I think it's totally comfortable to chase these. Yep. I, I see the same way as for Grayson Allen. He only played 18 and a half minutes in the first game of the series, and I don't see all that much reason to think game two would be massively different than game one. That is, unless there is some sort of massive blowout or foul issues or whatever. But with 18 and a half minutes for Grayson Allen in game one, give me the unders there. That is going to do it for Terry and I. Brief roundup of all the props we're looking at at NHA. Don't forget, if you're signing up for the first time, use the promo code AWESOMO to get yourself 25 bucks for free and Check out our free projections for NHA over on awesomeo.com. That is going to do it for us today, guys. Like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and good luck tonight.